We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live post-game show slash podcast as well. If you aren't subscribing over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do and give us that five-star rating and review. Love going through there and reading the reviews as well as seeing all the subscribers coming in on YouTube. If you're joining us live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, Welcome in. The Lakers fall to the Denver Nuggets. No LeBron today for this one. The Lakers ultimately fall 129 to 118. And really, we've seen this story before. Played out very, very similar to so many other games this season. It was somewhat close, about halfway through the fourth quarter. Down the stretch, the Lakers could not execute. In fact, it was a two-point game with about six minutes to play in the fourth. And the Lakers wind up losing by 11 as, once again, opponents out-execute the Lakers in crunch time joining me is sean davis from lakersnation.com sean how are you uh i feel like we're caught in a time loop we're just watching the same game over and over and over again even though the opponents are changing literally the the, it's just the same game that we're watching again thanks for having me back on trevor um as always want to start off giving the denver nuggets credit and mike malone credit um and just out executing the Lakers down the stretch. It was, Trevor, it was, I think, 106. I have it right here. It was 104 to 104 with 17, with seven minutes and 16 seconds left after Stanley hit a three. The Lakers got outscored 25 to 14 to end the game. And part of that is, again, like you said, uh, Denver just out executing the Lakers. And for anybody that was tuning in into our live play-by-play stream, first of all, appreciate everybody that was over there. But you guys saw some of the frustration I was having because they literally ran Denver the same play. It's a great play. The same exact play, three straight possessions, three straight trips down the floor in a row. They got a wide open three, another wide open three, and then they got a slip for an easy layup. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't a layup. It got fouled because they got the switch. But they just out-executed. They just out-executed the, the Lakers down the stretch. And, I mean, well, that's pretty much team has done so far this season yeah i mean you look at the, you look at this game you look at the stat line anthony davis you couldn't have asked for anything more from him he's hobbling out there and he gave you 28 9 and 8 
along with three blocks and two steals. Like, you can't ask for more from AD. Russell Westbrook, I thought, was good. Russ, Russ was flying all over the court. Russ was doing what he could. He was 11 of 15 shooting, 27 points, 10 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals. This game, if you look at the stat breakdown, it was set up kind of for a Lakers win. Lakers shot 53% from the field, only 30% from three, but they tied it on. They didn't get crushed on the offensive glass. They tied an offensive rebound, 6 to 6. They held their turnovers mm -hmm. to 12. Same thing as the Nuggets, 12 turnovers. So they didn't get blown out in the turnover battle either. Wasn't turnovers, wasn't offensive rebounds that hurt them. They shot efficiently. But at the end of the day, when all was said and done, the Nuggets had a Will Barton. The Lakers didn't. The Lakers didn't have anybody of that caliber. You had Aaron Gordon did his thing, 24 points. 38 from Nikola Jokic. He did his thing that you would expect. And then the Nuggets got a 25-point contribution from Will Barton. The Lakers didn't have anybody who could step up and, and give them that level of contribution. You got 17 from Car Carmelo Anthony, but just one of seven from three. And so it wound up being kind of Russ and Anthony Davis against three guys that were contributing for Denver. Mm -hmm. And that's that's it. That's all she wrote. You didn't have the depth on this on this team to finish this game off when you needed to. Not only do they have that that other random role player, uh, and not saying one Barnes a random role player, he's a good mm -hmm. player, but they had that other guy that really stepped up big time and again. So not only did they have that, which is already really hard to overcome, again, Denver got every single look they wanted down the stretch. Those last six-ish minutes of that game when they were on a 25-14 run, they got every single look they wanted mm -hmm. down the stretch of that game. And credit to head coach Michael Malone and, I think, and this might be a bold take or whatever it is, he's not going to win it. But Michael Malone deserves some head coach of the year. Uh, he, de he deserves to be in that in that hat, if you will, of, of names that are worthy of it. Because I'm not sure how very many coaches, like Giddy Jokic is great, but I'm not sure very many coaches can lose two max players. One of them is an all-star caliber player, and Jamal Murray, and then Michael Porter Jr., and pretty much roll out a bunch of guys that for some people haven't heard of until mm -hmm. this year, like Bones Highland or Devon Reed. Like some of these guys that they're really relying on don't play that often, um, but they somehow just stayed with it the entire year. And they might have a 50-win season, which for a team with Jokic, a bunch of role players, that's pretty darn impressive. I think that, that Taylor Jenkins with Memphis, he's the runaway for, for coach of the year. I'd be shocked if it's yep. anybody but him that wins that. But yes, Michael Malone is a good coach. Got an extension with the Denver Nuggets this year, and we can see why. I mean, he's Deserved. he is uh, his team was executing when they needed to. The Lakers clearly did not. Um, again, it was close all the way through. The Lakers had some leads, but again, we just, having seen this play out so many times this season, you had a sense of where this was going to go when we got into crunch time in the fourth quarter. The Lakers were not going to be able to get the job done, and that is exactly what happened here. I guess one of the things that we need to talk about is, uh, before we start getting into the Super Chats, Austin Reeves did not play. In fact, uh, well, let's just get into it. John Robertson down with the Super Chat said, so we're we just not seeing Reeves from here on out. Second game in a row that Reeves, that Reeves has been a DNP coach's decision. Last game, Frank Vogel said it was because of the matchup. That matchup, that was why he was treating it like a playoff game and matchup-wise, he thought that Austin Reeves didn't didn't weren't being in there, that Avery Bradley was going to get those minutes. How do you defend it this game that Austin Reeves got zero minutes? Is it is that it? You don't? There is no defense for why Austin Reeves is not playing? 
Avery Bradley starting, I'm fine with it. I'm looking at the stats and the minutes and stuff like that. I'm looking at DJ Augustine having 17 minutes. And again, DJ Augustine is kind of like your uh, Carmelo Anthony, but as a guard, liability defensively. But you're hoping that his shooting can kind of take away that liability. Mm-hmm. And tonight, and last, uh, well, we didn't play last night, but Friday night against the Pelicans, same thing. Um, he, he didn't shoot well. He didn't shoot well enough to you know, hide the deficiencies defensively. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, well, why can't Austin Reeves play over DJ Augustine, especially when DJ isn't shooting well? Don't get started on Taylor Horn Tucker, who did not play well. He had seven points. He had four rebounds to three assists, but he did not play well. I think some of the stats might be deceiving a little bit. Um, so I'm really confused. I thought Stanley didn't play enough, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I'm really, really confused. But this is another game, Trevor, where it's still frustrating because you still feel like the Lakers should have overcame that. And that's kind of been the sentiment for the whole season, right? Like, yeah, a couple things happen. Maybe it's the rotations a little out of whack or the refs if you want to go back to Friday night's game. But they should have still overcame those things, and the Lakers just have not been able to do that so far this year. I thought the Lakers had stumbled upon something a few weeks ago. I thought the Lakers had stumbled upon something, and the idea is that the the formula for success is your veteran guys, your stars, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, surround them with the young, fresh legs, and off you go. That, that, That seemed to be the formula for success for the Lakers. What did we see today? Anthony Davis, 35 minutes. Gutted out. I, I'm not here for any kind of anti-Anthony Davis slander in this one. Nope. He was he played clearly in pain, and he still turned in a solid You could not have asked for more from him. Russell Westbrook. I think he played a very solid game tonight, too. 27 points or this afternoon, 10 boards. You, you can't be upset with yeah. Russ in this one. I thought Russ mm-hmm. even showed heart, fighting all the way through and doing everything everything he could to try to get a win in this one. Happy with what we saw out of Russell Westbrook tonight, this afternoon. I'm going to be doing that all show. But then you look at the rest of the minutes. Dwight Howard, 23 minutes. Okay, it's against Jokic. Matchup-wise, I get it, right? Dwight Howard was the guy you turned to in the the playoffs a couple years ago against Jokic. Understandable. Avery Bradley, 28 minutes. Malik Monk, 33 minutes. Okay, he's a younger guy. It's fine. But Avery Bradley, 28 minutes. Carmelo Anthony, 26 minutes. Stanley Johnson, 16 minutes. Wenyan Gabriel, 11 minutes. Austin Reeves, zero minutes. Where's the formula for... Where is that, hey, surround these guys with young players that have fresh legs that are just going to get out there and do the dirty work? They went away from that concept. And and again, Avery Bradley didn't shoot poorly. Two of three from three, four or five shooting, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But you had found a formula for success, at least relative success. And now they've gone away from that. It doesn't make sense at this stage when you just stumbled upon something to suddenly say, oh, no, 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 never mind, never mind. No, we're at the end of the season, so we really got to play the veteran guys now. That wasn't working. Why would you think going back to this would work? And yet here we are. Again, DJ and THT combining for 25 minutes is kind of ridiculous. And those honestly were probably your two worst, like, or at least net negative players on the court tonight. DJ Augustine and Taylor and Tucker. I mean, Trevor, would you agree with that? Yeah, probably. Those two, and, like, and look, I get you know, yeah. DJ Augustine's been shooting really well, so I understand if you wanted the floor yeah, spacing, true. but there were some moments too where his size was a detriment. Yeah, and 
Oh, man, I, I don't understand Austin Reeves not playing. I know some people are saying he's not good offensively. I think that's because I think a lot of people look at his value scoring the ball, which, again, that's just not how. And that's why I'm also saying why didn't Stanley play, because Stanley and Austin Reeves, when that four-game stretch, when the ball was really moving, they were getting a lot mm-hmm. of open threes. They, those two guys were getting a lot of open threes, one. And two, they got to be a little bit more creative and a little, be able to play make a little bit. And Stanley's an underrated passer. Austin Reeves basketball IQ for where he is in his career is insane um so yeah I mean like for Christ's sake I, I don't understand why Austin Reeves didn't play and the chat saying hey Sean do you still defend Vogel I don't recall really ever defending Vogel it was to the point where our, our buddy Ron Gutterman called me out on the, on the podcast so I don't remember defending Vogel again I think this is it's not necessarily all when we look at the season people want to blame a singular thing mm-hmm. and that's not that's just not accurate. Not There's a lot of other things to blame too. But again, when we talk about how Vogel shares a piece of the blame, it's some of the decisions like this that we've that we've been seeing throughout the season that just haven't worked out. Now, again, if you make those correct decisions, does it turn around the entire season? Or do you make if you make different decisions, I should say, because we don't know the exact outcome, does it turn some things around? Maybe. Maybe. But there's a lot more going on here than just just Vogel as well. Uh, we yep. should also mention no LeBron James in this one. LeBron that uh, was ruled out. Basically, the Lakers said, this is what Frank Vogel told us, told us in the pregame, was that the Lakers were looking at this as essentially the second night of a back-to-back because it was such a short turnaround to play an early afternoon game after playing a couple of nights ago against the Pelicans. So that was a factor here. And Vogel said that, look, LeBron probably wouldn't have played or at least this was what came out during the broadcast uh, in the game, is that LeBron probably would not have played against the Pelicans unless he only played because it was the Pelicans and because of the standing situations, that he was not physically truly ready to play. And so that's why he was out for this one. When you see a game that's this close, though, you you can't help but think, man, if LeBron plays, they probably get the win in this one. But again, there's a lot of, a lot of factors that may have changed had LeBron been out there on the floor. But still... Unfortunate here that, that LeBron suffered another injury to close things out this season. Yeah. So LeBron needs from what I have not looked this up personally, but Jalen Rose was talking about this. So I'm going to trust that he's correct in this. I'll, I can look it up after our show, but he said that LeBron needs to play in two more games in order to qualify mm-hmm. for the scoring title. Do you think that's, that's something that matters to him? And if so, do we see him again this season? I think it kind of matters, and I think at least there's a way they can spin it, because I know that's going to be the first thing that's going to be asked is, oh, LeBron only cares about the scoring title. The Lakers are going to spin it in, uh, into saying, oh, uh, we're, we're going to play until the season's over and blah, blah, blah. So that's how they're going to spin mm-hmm. it. So I, I think if LeBron does really care about it, I think it, there's an easy route to take that and like not have it look quote-unquote bad or whatever. Um, I think it'll be a cool accomplishment, though, for him. I mean, he's age 37. Sure. And with with this amount of mileage on his leg, for him able to, but even be in the conversation to win the scoring title is insane, and that that's just a testament to his longevity and how much he puts into his body, and that he's able to be this good still in his 19th season in the NBA. I think if he really wants to get it, you play you play him the last two games of the season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If that's the case, right? Because you're most likely you're talking about OKC and Denver and Denver will probably be shutting down some players by that point. And then you can just go, here you go, LeBron, gun for it. Just go, right? Because at that point, you know for sure you're out. Like, it's already done, but still, uh, you're out. And so, who cares if LeBron go, if LeBron shoots 40 shots a night or 35 shots or, or whatever. Um, so, if you really want him to gun for the scoring title, you sit him until the final two games, assuming you just kind of say, okay, this is it. Season's done. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what what they go with there. I've got Isle Farkash with a super chat said, we never saw Russ sticking to a team for a second year after he's traded. Maybe it's hard to, for him to adjust to a new environment, but once he does, he can be the Russ we saw tonight. Do you have any optimism based off of what we've seen from Russ the last few weeks? We've been hearing post-All-Star Russ. It's a thing. Post-All-Star Russ, he gets better. He has actually looked better the last few games. Does that give, like, if somehow the Lakers, and I would be very surprised if they didn't, if somehow the Lakers did not move Russell Westbrook this offseason, would you be looking back at this version of Russ and saying, well, maybe they figured some things out. This guy could could show up for us. Well, I mean, unfortunately, the post-All-Star version of Russ came way too late. But, <laughs> well, you know, we'll take very it. Very I mean, far post-All-Star. Very, very far post. Like, we're in April. Like, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um I, I, put, I put this out a few weeks ago, maybe not a week ago, maybe like last week, and I actually sent in a Lakers Nation group text mm-hmm. as well. Because there's rumors and reports that they don't want to do the wave and stretch option or the buyout and stretch because they're just now finally about to get off of the, the Luel Dang contract July 1st. I put out this, like, if you don't like any of the trades, are we so against bringing them back for one more year? Because, I mean... Like, I think you do, I think, face it, Russell Westbrook, when he's with one of either AD or LeBron, it's good. And I think we've seen stretches of where it's AD and LeBron, I mean, sorry, AD and Russ, or Russ and LeBron, it works at times. They just have to figure out how to get to gel amongst all three, and that's why it really hasn't worked. Granted, they've only played, what, 20, 21 games so far this mm-hmm. season together. Um, so I'm not entirely against bringing Russ back, especially if you're not going to go the buy and stretch option and the trades on the table. Like, John Wall and Christian Wood trade, you have to, like, if Christian Wood's in it, for, like, Russ and THT, sure. If it's, like, Russ for John Wall, I might you might as well just keep Russ, in my opinion, if that's the deal. So, I think it depends on what the offers are. I am, I am against bringing him back. I, I will say I'm, I'm against bringing him back um, I think you need to do everything you can to move him. 
And Agreed. it's because of it's because of, it's not necessarily just Russ. Okay. Part of part of it is Russ. Part of it is Russ. Part of it is Russ has not been a great fit over the course of the season. We've seen some flashes here and there, but ultimately I'm gonna believe what we saw for the bulk of the season over what we've seen in a few spots here and there today included. Right? Today was a good day. If you got this out of Russ, eight times out of ten, you'd be pretty happy and you'd be saying, okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe we bring him back next year and off we go. But instead, I think we've gotten this overall over the course of the season, maybe two times out of 10, right? Maybe 20% of the time you got this version of Russ, maybe. So I'm going to say that, that it's time to move on from Russ. And again, part of it is Russ, not all of it. Part of it is also the roster. If you bring back LeBron, Russ, AD, mm -hmm. you yep. are committed under the salary cap to have your taxpayer mid-level, and veteran minimums. That's it. That's your spending power this summer, which means your team next year will once again be LeBron, Russ, AD, whoever they can get for that, that taxpayer mid-level, about $6 million. You probably lose Malik Monk, and then veteran minimum guys the rest of the way. You probably have Kendrick Nunn at $5.2 million. You see what they do with Taylor Horton <laughs> Tucker. Me. Right? I mean, maybe, maybe you find a trade for THT and Kendrick Nunn, but essentially, you're bringing back a roster that is structured very similarly to the one that you've got right now. And I think there's one thing that we've seen. It's that this current roster structure does not work. And bringing back Russ would signal more of the same in terms of the composition of the roster. So that's why that's why I'm mostly against it. Really quickly, guys, because the chat's pretty upset at me right now about because of what I've said. I'm just saying because per report, since the buyout and stretch option seems to be off the table... Like right. I, I understand like, it. If, if like the if your only deal on the table is Russ for John Wall, I'm not doing that deal. But like ideally, there's more offers on the table than that because Russ has played better over the last 12 to 15 games or so. So teams can be like, huh, okay, maybe we can do this, this, and this, and maybe we can get that version of Russ from the last 12 to 15 games of the season. Obviously, best case, and even then, I mean, it's probably your the worst best case scenario for the Lakers is to trade Russell Westbrook and you get something back mm -hmm. for him. Um, but I'm just saying like, if your only offer for some reason, I don't think it will be if your only offer is Russ for John wall, just throwing out there. I'm not doing that deal. And with them rumors, rather they haven't said anything, but with the rumors being that they're not, not going to do the buy on stretch option because of the wall dang thing. Come back. That's where I was coming from chat. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's you're just you're playing devil's advocate there saying, hey, if every team is just yeah. trying to fleece the Lakers and the only thing that's out there is bad trades, what do you do if buyout and stretch is not really an option? I understand. And maybe that may very well be the scenario that the Lakers are staring down. Um, and if that's the case, if everything is really that bad, I think you consider buyout and stretch. Jared Chalker with the super chat said, I'd rather have John Wall just to get rid of Russ's attitude. Again, I, I can't fault Russ tonight. I thought he, he competed hard. I thought last game, his post-game comments were not great. I think there's been moments where the attitude has been questionable, certainly, but uh, but I can't fault him today. I thought that, that he did a great job out there. So interested to see what happens ultimately with Russell Westbrook. It's going to be the big story, I think, of the offseason or one of the big stories is what path the Lakers take and if they can get rid of, of Russ, if they can find something that, that works, that makes sense. And if not, they're going to have to figure out some way to um, to rebuild this roster, either with a wave and stretch or, or something of that nature. <laughs> is, the, is the best case scenario in terms of a trade that Pacers deal that's been thrown mm -hmm. out there 
Which I think, I think so. can kind of make sense from the Pacers' advantage point. If you guys don't know what Trey I'm talking about, it's pretty much the Russ and picks for Brogdon and THD. I mean, not not Brogdon, THD, Brogdon and Buddy Heald. So that was the uh, deal that kind of was thrown. Is that the best case scenario? That's the trade. I like that trade a lot. That That's the trade that um, I believe that, that came from Ron Gutterman. He, he came up with that one. But in that trade, it was it was that that was the deal what you just described and i was actually on a few days ago i was on uh the athletics nba show and they brought up that trade they said they heard that trade circulating like not like they heard it from sources but heard it just kind of in nba Aww. fandom because people have been looking at that and they said yeah like that's that's pretty good actually that's a pretty good that kind of makes trade. sense they heard it uh or no they said they heard it on our show and so they, they were like, yeah, this oh. actually makes some sense for the Pacers. That makes some sense for the Lakers as well. I think that's probably the ideal scenario for the Lakers is that you can figure out a way to do something like that where you absorb some salary for pre for mm-hmm. seasons going forward, like past 2023, and you make a move, you find some better fits, and then off you go. The key, though, I'll tell you the key in that, LeBron has to agree to stick around. If you get to August and LeBron yeah. says, eh, never mind, no, I don't think I'm going to stay. I'm going to play out one more year. Well, you kind of need to know that if you're the Lakers. You need to know that because what you don't want to have happen is you make a trade like that that sacrifices future cap space and future assets, and then LeBron takes off after a year. I don't and, know that LeBron and- would tell them because he's going to want them to go all in and do whatever it is that they need to do in order to help him win next season. But if he's not going to add another year onto his contract, if you're the Lakers, you have to consider, do we want to sacrifice whatever future assets we have to in order to make a move? It's got to be a factor in your decision making. Absolutely. And that was actually what I was going to bring up. Like, you at least need LeBron to commit for another season after next year. Because, again, if not, let's say you make that trade and LeBron says, you know what, I'm out after this year. Mm-hmm. Well, crap, that 2023 offseason, which the Lakers have kept blank, pretty much blank entirely outside of Anthony Davis and THT, that year is just blank so they can know, okay, if LeBron's not coming back, we can reload and we know that we're going to build this team around LeBron, I mean, with a, around Anthony Davis with this, with this huge amount of cap space that we project to have. And if LeBron's back for another year, well, that's perfect. Buddy Heald's contract should expire LeBron's last year as well in L.A. if he re-up for another year. And then that trade becomes acceptable because you're not dooming yourself um, without LeBron. And you still have Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon. And now you don't have much cap Mm -hmm. space left um, to work with. So I completely agree. And I mean, and also for people that say, well, why would the Pacers want Russ? They could also just buy him out as well. That's definitely not. Yeah, it's not necessarily about the Pacers wanting Russ. It's about them clearing money off their cap. That's that's what they would yep. be doing for the future. Uh, Eshawn nine seventy six. Good lord, Anthony Davis is as dependable as a McDonald's ice cream machine. Come on, I mean, he, nope, not, not, not today. today. He was nope. he was good today. He not gutted today. it out today. Uh, see why not with the super chat said summer focus sign coffee. So Amir coffee, a scoring wing who's pretty good. Sign Hartenstein, a young big who does everything and trade Russ. For good young role players or good role players, I think that's going to be a tough getting good role players for us, but we'll see. And then you're talking mm-hmm. about going and getting some Clippers and stealing them away. I, I like the skill sets of those guys, but we'll see. I love the skill sets. It's unfortunate that their ball that their owner is Steve Ballmer, who has the deepest pockets in the NBA, which is unfortunate. Uh, somebody said, "Is it time to become a Clippers fan?" No, no, Gosh, it's never no. that time. That's never the case. No. 
John Robertson Dow, at least AD played through the pain. Yeah, he absolutely did. He absolutely did. He gutted it out clearly. He's not 100% out there, but he's still out there fighting, doing everything he can. Uh, also said they already found that formula, but you have Vogel choosing Mello or even THT and DJ over the young players. Agreed. I, it, it's indefensible. It's indefensible. Why, why those decisions are being made? I'm curious to see what Vogel says after the game. Again, I tried to give him a little bit of slack yesterday, when, or two days ago, when uh, he talked about it being a matchup thing as far as why Reeves wasn't getting minutes, but it makes no sense to finish the season. Now, even if you're looking at this as, hey, moving forward, right? Even if you're looking at it like, you know what? We're probably not going to get these wins, so let's give the minutes to the young players. I think you can make the argument that giving the minutes to the young guys gives you a better chance to win, but even if you're looking at this as it's over, it's done, the season is over, Great. Give the minutes to Wenyan Gabriel. Give the minutes to Stanley Johnson. Add some experience onto these guys, Austin Reeves, and prepare them for next season. Because guess what? If anybody's coming back, it's probably those guys that'll be back on the roster next season. So why not give them the minutes right now? I'm curious how Frank is going to try to uh, spin this one because I'm in agreement. I'm not sure how. It's just not acceptable i think again like tht and dj come on for 35 minutes and like i said to start those who were probably your two net negative players tonight mm-hmm. um yeah I, I don't know how he's gonna spin this one around because even if you look matchup wise well if you want to go matchups dj august he's 511 uh austin reese is 65 ish mm-hmm. or whatever so like it's tough Isle Farkash said, we should keep Vogel as a coach. Still a great defensive mind, familiar with the organization, and won't need to deal with the rotation. If the Lakers were just solid this year and injuries derailed them, yeah, yeah. I mean, think you could you could make that out. Like if we, like last year. If we saw a season like last year, where the Lakers, you saw when everybody's healthy, they're one of the best teams in the conference, injuries happened, and they and they wound up falling. That that kind of stuff, you can't really blame that on the coach. Right. That's just that's what happens sometimes. And it's unfortunate that has not been the case this season. We have never seen these Lakers ever really excel. And here's the thing. You could look at it and say, "Okay, the roster construction was bad. And it was it was that's that's fair. Frank Vogel didn't get a team that really suited his skill set as a coach. It's not all his fault, but I think this is the most appropriate criticism of Frank Vogel when we take a step back and we look at the entire season, I don't think we ever saw this team play to a a level that was greater than the sum of their parts. I don't think he took what he had and improved upon it in any way this season. And that's what you need to do if you're a coach. You've got to find a way to get production out of guys, even if you don't have the ideal roster. And I don't think he did that this season. Um... I also think from an organizational perspective, the Lakers only gave him a one-year contract extension. So the writing's on the wall. It's pretty clear, I think, that they're not going to bring him back. Again, you can't blame him for everything. You can't look at this and say, oh, the only thing the Lakers need to do is get rid of Frank Vogel. No, there's way more going on here than that. But I I just I don't see a path to him coming back the, next year based on the way this season has played out. Which one is more like more likely, yeah. Russ coming back or Frank Vogel coming back? Russ coming back. Russ coming back because it's it's much easier to move on from Frank Vogel. There's no salary cap involved in coaching. 
so it's easier to move mm -hmm. on there than it is you could find yourself in a spot where everybody just wants to fleece you on a rust trade and there's just nothing workable speaking of which like the chili from youtube said i agree with sean on keeping rust to avoid getting fleeced however is the new nba cap increase going to impact the lakers this offseason not that much it's gone up so it went up by about I think it was about 3 million more than we thought it was going to. And then about a week ago, we found out, oh, no, no, it's not going to be 3 million. It's going to go up by another million on top of that. So that's about 4 million. The problem is with max contracts, they're tied to the cap as a percentage. So when the cap goes up, so does the dollar amount of the contract. So the Lakers, it's not going to really give them that much more breathing room in the situation that they're in. The veteran minimum contracts also go up as a percentage of that. So it doesn't really, yes, the cap went up, but it's not like the Lakers just went, oh, cool, an extra million dollars to spend. That's just not quite how it works. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's just not all that helpful for the Lakers this offseason. I see I'm a very polarizing character, so I'm glad somebody agrees with me. <laughs> if you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Mark Polo Corleone said, and hang in there, Sean, hang in. I think you, you, what you've said so far has been all been very defensible. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta present that, that viewpoint and, and discuss yeah. these things. It's important. Uh, Mark Polo Corleone said, bruh, the team, the term big three is over in the NBA in this league in 2022. You need good role players, period. I'd rather have two stars and split 47 million three to four ways. Yeah. I mean, hard to argue against that based on the yeah, way we've seen this sure. season played out for the Lakers. Right. I mean, that's, that we saw them, two stars, solid depth with role players, then won a championship. Three, quote-unquote, stars, not much in terms of depth, and it's been disaster. Hard to argue against. I mean, the best teams, they're deep, and they've got guys who understand their role and can execute that role, whether it's the Suns, Bucks, Mavs, whoever it is. That's what they've got on their teams. All the great teams in the NBA that you could say are legitimate title contenders, they have something in common. And I think we all know what those teams They have a great player. Obviously, you need to have a great player to compete. Uh, for the most part, those teams have really good coaches. And, I mean, we'll, it's probably going to be my master lock. But they all know, like, how they want to win and what ways they want to win. They have an identity or... Who who described it? Uh, they described it as, like, a personality. Was that yeah. what, what they described They, didn't as have, the they don't have an offensive personality. All those teams have personality, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, I was just looking to see if there were any post-game quotes we want to get into here. Isle Farkash clarified, I meant as an assistant coach. I don't know if Frank would do that. 
don't know why Frank. Yeah, he probably wouldn't. But like, if the Lakers brought in, let's that would be a very, very rare thing. I don't think it would happen. But let's say that that was an option. You were going to bring in a head coach, whoever it is, and Frank said, "I'll stick around and be a defensive coordinator for you." Would you, you be okay with that? Like in a scenario where, like, let's say you bring in like my guy, for example, like Darby, you bring in Darvin Ham mm-hmm. to be your head coach, and then Frank says, "You know what?" I'll stick around. I'll be their quote-unquote defensive coordinator. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, I still think maybe he, he, I think he's a good defensive head coach. Can be with the right pieces. With the right pieces, he can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jared Chalker said, "With nothing to play for, the scoring title was all LeBron's been looking at for a month or so. I hope he gets it. I don't agree. I don't think that's the only thing he's been looking at for a month or so. I think LeBron. Well, the only time the Lakers have won, it's when." LeBron's gone for 50 or, or whatever. So I think he understood that's what it took in order to win. John Robertson Dow said, of course, that really matters to LeBron winning the scoring title. Uh, we'll play against teams who think he will score more than uh, more on, unlike the Denver game. Uh, thoughts on LeBron's body language? I don't I don't really, Avi B. Tonight? I didn't really see. Oh, after the last loss, loss high-fiving after the last loss. I didn't specifically look at that to see what his body language was in that in that particular moment. I would assume it probably wasn't great. Over or under 500,000 bet Lakers make the play-in. Oh, I think it's pretty clear they're not making the play-in now after losing this game and losing the last two. They've won, what, what was it, four games since the All-Star break? Something, it's, it's something, something like, like that. It's something like long. that. Yeah. Uh, John Robertson Dow said, still don't want Russ back. Look at the pass attempts like the lob with AD during a fast break down the stretch. It's a bad play. Fair. Plenty of reasons why. Uh, Quadre Poinsett said, who's the best option at head coach? Sean, you've been in on, uh, you've been in on Darvin Ham. I don't, I'm curious to see some of the names that are out there. Again, it's just like if you look at the poll of coaches that have head coaching experience, which is what the Lakers want, the names outside of Quinn Snyder is Scott Brooks, Terry Stotts, Dan Tony, mm-hmm. and none of those names. I'm not going down the Dan Tony route again. And then Scott Brooks and Terry Stotts just no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Eric Brown from Facebook said, another year with Russ in interviews, LMFAO, hell no. Is that Ryan Ward's burner account? <laughs> is that Ryan Ward's burner account? All right, I'll just <laughs> bust that. Russ can be a bit of a, a difficult interview. Let's let's say that sometimes, depending on on how he's feeling. Other sometimes he can be great, but it just depends. Uh, Isham said, "Take off your Lakers hat. What NBA team do you see realistically taking on Westbrook and his forty-seven million dollar contract? Other than Houston, it's it, basically anybody where you can take." a team and free up their future cap space with a move. So if the Lakers were to get two, three guys that in theory fit better next to LeBron and AD than Westbrook does, but those contracts go till 2024 till 2025, something like that. And that team then says, okay, we like these guys, but we're going to give them to you for Russ because Russ's deal ends next off season. So that frees up a bunch of money for us moving forward. That's the type of team you're looking for. Now, maybe it's a Pacers, maybe it's somebody else, but you're 
if you're looking at it as who's just going to take $47 million, they have to get something out of it. Either it's going to be picks, it's going to be future cap relief, it might be some of the both of those things. That's what you have to find. It's not necessarily who wants Russell Westbrook. It's who wants to clear money for the future or who wants future draft picks. That's really the question. Agreed. And that's why, again, that's why the Pacers one makes mm-hmm. so much sense, right? Because it's clear they want to rebuild around Halliburton and Dorte. Um, and so I think two out of the three guys between Turner, uh, Turner, Buddy Heald, and Malcolm Brogdon will get traded. And it's likely going to be Brogdon and Buddy Heald, in my opinion. I think trading Sabonis kind of signifies like, hey, Turner, we want to keep you. Or maybe, maybe they'll still trade him. Who knows? But that's why the deal kind of makes sense for from the Pacers' advantage point because – that guard would be heavily overloaded if they brought back mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald. And I think, there, I mean, if Brogdon was available to be traded at the deadline, I think it would be fair to say he probably would have been traded relatively quickly after they got Halliburton. What, Brog- Brogdon? Um, but they couldn't do that. He, he yeah, wasn't Brogdon, eligible, he wasn't saying, eligible so to be traded. They yeah. couldn't trade him. Yeah, so like if he, if he was, if, it, if the Pacers were able to trade him, I think, after the Halliburton trade, they probably would have done it then, but they have to wait till the offseason. But um, that's why the trade makes so much sense. A potential rust for Brock and mm-hmm. heel trade works. Yep. Yep. Uh, and some people saying the Pacers would say no. Yeah, sure. Look, they, they might. They might. might. We're just saying that's the type of deal that you'd be looking for with Russ. Something where you can free up future salary for another team. Tony, not sure how we will compete with the Clippers next year. What trade will you need to do? That will compete with the Clippers. Having the Clippers have recent success is another blow on top of this abysmal season. Agreed. This is way too early for this. Can I give you a hypothetical? I have the Clippers as the top team in the West next season, assuming everybody's healthy. Um, Because they got Norman Powell, Robert Covington basically for free. Um, Well, I guess Phoenix, Phoenix, if they retain everybody, I should probably put as the top team. Memphis will be up there, but I think the Clippers will be... One of, I should yeah. say, the top teams in the Western Conference. And I think they very well could be the team Agreed. to come out of the West because they essentially got two very high-level role players in Powell and Robert Covington for free, basically, just handed to them by the Blazers uh, on top of what they've already got on their roster. They're going to be tough to beat. I don't think there is a very clear, like, oh, just do this trade and then the Lakers are better than the Clippers. I think it's going to be... About making moves. It's going to be about making smart moves. You have to bat a thousand. You have to get all your moves right. And all the pieces Mm -hmm. have to fit. The pieces have to fit for the Lakers on a chemistry level, both on and off the floor, if the Lakers are going to make a run next year. That's that's what's going to have to happen. But you don't worry about, does this make us better than the Clippers? Does this make us better than the Suns? That's not where the Lakers are at right now. Right now, you worry about, does this get us back to essentially the level we need to be playing at? And then you worry about, okay, how do we beat the Clippers? How do we beat the Suns? Go from there. I'm going to throw out a hypothetical mm-hmm. here. And I think this might be your best starting point, if you will, post a Russell Westbrook trade or whatever you do with Russ. So right now, like if you look at the roster, the guys that, in my opinion, I'm comfortable with bringing back is LeBron AD. Like, we, I don't, I don't think Monk is coming back. That would be a little optimistic bringing Monk back because I just think he's going to get too much money that the Lakers can't offer. But LeBron, AD, Stanley, Austin Reeves, you could try to bring back Wenyan. That should be pretty easy to do. And then the chat might get upset with me about this. Kendrick Nunn. As much as people are upset with Kendrick Nunn, he's a 15-point-per-game scorer, can shoot the heck out of the ball. He was a starter for that Heat team that went to the NBA Finals. 
And then let's say you do that Russ, that, that Pacers deal. Mm-hmm. Now, that is probably the best eight-man, like, just star the Lakers could have post whatever they do with Russell Westbrook. And I think that is it. Now, now you get to go into the offseason, the rest of free agency, saying, let's go get a big, let's fill in some other holes. That's a solid eight-man lineup. be look down the line, for the most part, like, outside maybe LeBron, maybe. Those seven guys are net positive defenders, too. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of getting back to what worked a little bit. You have Stanley, Reeves, Wenyon, Anthony Davis at f- fully healthy as a defensive player of the year candidate. You bring in Brogdon, who is a, when healthy, a great 3 and D player, a good 3 and D player. That's, great that, that's a pretty big there, if but... they, like, win healthy. He has <laughs> not been, if, been very right, healthy. If, but, but fair. I like Brogdon a lot. Yeah, so... Yeah, so. I like that eight group. And then you get to go fill in the rest of your holes, go get a couple bigs. Um, and I think the biggest thing, Trevor, in my opinion, no matter what, the biggest thing has to be whoever your head coach is next season and Rob Polinka, there just needs to be like some like sort of connectedness mm-hmm. between those between the two and not have a situation like this here where you rank. We know you're a defensive coach. Let's give you a group of guys that your your style of coaching whatsoever and Go ahead. Have at it, right? There has to be some level of synergy between the head coach and the GM come this offseason. Absolutely. And that's why the head coach is the first decision that they have to make. They, yeah, they, they got to get that sorted out pretty quickly and then go from there. John Robertson Dow said, give none a chance. We don't have that flexibility. Yeah, I mean, look, none Agreed. probably going to be, uh, if he can get back on the court next season, which again, that's kind of an if, I guess. But um, hopefully he can play next season. I think he was considered a value contract this year. People were surprised the Lakers got him for what they did. Hopefully he brings that value next season, actually, on the floor. YP Hustle said Malik Monk had a very bad game, minus 12. It's like he zapped into Russell Westbrook abilities and plays out of control. He had uh, too many turnovers. So Monk on the night, five turnovers. I thought he started off the game very well under control and was, was looking better. And then he started to get out of control. He starts. He tries to throw lobs that sometimes aren't there tries to yeah. force passes and we saw that we saw that against the Pelicans saw it again tonight or this afternoon again uh but yeah this is it's a little concerning about monk but i also wonder how much of it is just he's trying to he's just trying to force things and just getting him to kind of back off the throttle a little bit as the as far as the playmaking goes that can i think solve some of that issue as well like i don't think i don't look at monk's turnovers and think oh that's not fixable i think it's very fixable yeah agree uh, somebody mentioning the Pelicans have the Lakers pick in 2023. That is not correct. Uh, Avi B. Pick swap. Yep, there's a pick swap in there. They do not have the Lakers pick. Avi B. 80s lack a development of real post moves. Three-point shooting is not good. Giannis takes and makes threes. Uh, Embiid and Jokic all do, and they leap, leapfrogged him. Sure, look, you can you can argue that, that AD has stagnated in terms of his offensive development and things like that, but again, I think... In today's game, you've got everything you could have hoped to see out of Anthony Davis, and I think there's also an understanding that you're not seeing AD at anywhere near 100%. I think that's very clear, and yet he's still productive out there. So he can still be a very, very, very good player. Yes, you can find plenty of fault in his game, but I have trouble criticizing him on a night where we saw him pretty much on one leg drag himself up and down the court and still make an impact just because they needed him to. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply agree with the post moves thing um obviously the three point thing you can't not agree with that i think that's gonna be key for ad if he could get back some of that going into next season because coming in even his first year with the lakers he was around the 33 34 percent three-point shooter so if he mm-hmm. could get back to that level but i disagree with the post moves thing and i mean yeah Jokic and beating on is the levels that they're on right now is just insane and no i mean guy the chat saying one leg so he was hurt again I mean, no, technically, but like, guys, he was he had, he couldn't run for six weeks ish, and his first full length like scrimmage where he gets to go up and down a little bit was Wednesday, and he his first game in two months was uh, what's today Sunday. His first game was Friday, so he hasn't been able to do anything running wise. So he's still getting his conditioning back, and when the way his ankle turned, we would be in a boot for like three weeks as mm-hmm. normal people. So, I mean, I I, I don't think you can really. After tonight, especially like he's willing himself down the floor and for a large stretch of that game, probably until the fourth quarter, you can make a legitimate argument. A.D. was outplaying Jokic for about three quarters. Mike M says in a fantasy world, what would our team look like if we never traded for Russ? I seriously appreciate what you guys do. This is like Lakers anonymous. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mike. We, we appreciate that comment. Um, if the Lakers did not trade for Russell Westbrook, I think it's pretty safe to say they would have gone ahead with the buddy heel trade. I know a lot of people say, well, they should have traded for DeMar DeRozan. It's hindsight. I think hard we have cap. to remember back then DeRozan, there were some drawbacks to trading for him. Number one being that you would trigger the hard cap. Uh, and then the second piece being that, well, you probably... Uh, would have had to give up some stuff in order to get him that maybe you wouldn't want to give up. And DeRozan's skill set had a lot of question marks to it in terms of whether or not that would fit with LeBron. Now, again, DeRozan's had a fantastic season. Hindsight being 2020, yes, they should have done that, but it made sense why they were hesitant to do so. Uh, I think the Buddy Heel d- deal would have gotten done, which would have meant Kyle Kuzma would have gone out and you would have seen Montrez Harrell go out as well in that deal. That means the Lakers would still have their 22nd pick in the draft. Uh, they could have either used that in a trade or used it on a player. And you can certainly go through the draft list and see who they potentially could have selected with that pick. But ultimately, I also think that the Lakers probably would have brought back Alex Caruso. Uh, you wouldn't have to worry about necessarily a, a hard cap because Buddy Heald was under contract. So you've got a team that looks very similar to last year's team, except you've lost Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell. You bring back, you bring in Buddy Heald to provide some shooting, and then you try to figure out a way to replace the big wing defense that Kyle Kuzma would give you, that kind of big wing role. Maybe you still get Carmelo Anthony. Maybe you still go after Malik Monk. Does he sign if Alex Caruso is still in the, whole, in the fold? Maybe not. Maybe he looks elsewhere. He's worried about minutes. There would be a domino effect, but I think you would have a team that looks a lot similar to last season's squad except with a bit more shooting, which I think is kind of what we were hoping for them to do last offseason. So that's that's my take on what the team would look like had they taken that that route. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Mr. Feed Your Soul said, why would LeBron commit to the front office with problems? Again, I'm not, maybe he wouldn't. 
Maybe he wouldn't. But I'm saying if you're the Lakers front office, you need to have a read on what LeBron wants to do before you go and you give up, say, your 2027 or 2029 first. That's that's important Mm -hmm. to know. Uh, Mike E, if we're being honest, the future looks bleak. No picks. That's not true. Terrible trade options. Okay, trade options are definitely tough. And stars that constantly break down. Uh, no picks. They've got a pick next year. They lose their... Either 24 or 25. Either 2024 20, or 25. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's that's all of it. That's all the rest of their picks that, that, that they lose. Um so it's not that they don't have picks. The problem is they don't really have picks available to trade, but that's more because of the Stepien rule than anything else. They do have some picks. Uh, trade options, yeah, they don't have a lot of those. In order to make trades, a lot of times in the NBA, you need those guys that are making like 10-ish million, 10 to 13 million to make trades. It helps you out a lot to have those contracts on the book because they can act as salary ballast. The Lakers don't have a lot of those. So yeah, there, there aren't a lot of trade options. It's not easy, but it's not necessarily a completely bleak future especially when we look at the amount of cap space they have in 2023. If they decide, you know what, this is awful. We need to just tear things apart. They can drastically reshape things in 2023 when they've got all the cap space. And maybe they use some of that now in the offseason in order to get some pieces and commit to future salary. That's possible. We'll see what path they take there. But it's not great. It's not like they've got a treasure chest full of future assets and all these young talents and everything like that. They don't. They don't but it's also not quite as bleak as some people make it out to be. And that's why Taylor Horn Tucker's name was thrown much at the deadline because he has legit, like the only good salary to trade in terms of like making a deal work. So that's why his name was thrown around so much. Like you said, like you, you really love those deals and the have players that make nine, 10, 11 ish million dollars. Cause those can just really help and match salaries a little bit better. Uh, these are the times that you know Jim Buss should have been fired, but they should have probably kept Mitch Kupchak. Well, I mean, that's, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just Jim saying, Luol Dang, yes, we want to pay him, what was it, $80 million or something oh, like that, $72 million, whatever it was, $64 million for Mozgov. That wasn't just on Jim, that was on on Mitch as well, but again, I mean, but Mitch Kupchak also has built championship teams. He's done a good job. So I'm not going to say he's not a, a good GM, but he's had his faults too, but Lakers decided to move on. Uh, if the Lakers decide to break it up, this is from love from YouTube, the super chat. I think the only team that can trade for LeBron is the Warriors without breaking up their core. I don't know if the Lakers would trade LeBron to the Warriors, but again, we've said this all along. If LeBron was going to be traded, I think it would take LeBron asking the Lakers to trade him. I don't think the Lakers would just go out there and find a trade and decide to ship him out. Yeah, and so first off, not only will LeBron have to go to the Lakers front office and say, hey, I want to be traded, the Lakers are not trading LeBron to the Warriors. So, Brian Holiday, watching this team play makes me miss KCP, JaVale, Kuzma, Caruso, Danny Green, Markeith Morris. Yeah, I mean, just pieces that fit and size. We looked at the Lakers starting lineup. Russ, Avery Bradley, Malik Monk was your three. It's it's small guards and then AD and, and Dwight. You've got no you have no big wings. And that's been a problem aside from, from Stanley Johnson out there. That's been a problem. And the guys you just named, that's a lot of big weight. KCP is 6'5. Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green. These are the types of players the Lakers don't have. Look at the the 
really contending teams, they've got multiple guys like that. They've got multiple guys that are big and can shove. Even the Mavs, watching the Mavs and the Bucks before this, you've got guys who can who can do things out there that allow them to uh, to rotate defensively. Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, uh, even Dwight Powell is is pretty mobile for uh, for a big. And then of course Luka Doncic has size. They've got size, and it's it's creating good things on the defensive end of the floor. And the Lakers don't, and uh, and they're really missing that right now. I'm not that guy. Can you ask your ungrateful Lakers fans if LeBron is still stat padding or only caring about scoring title while sitting out? Look, there, there's people who have complained about LeBron. There's people who have been for LeBron. I think LeBron is given what he can, when he can. I'm not going to complain about LeBron scoring the basketball because I think, honestly, the Lakers need LeBron to score the basketball in order to win games. They need it. So whether if LeBron in his head is thinking, hey, I really want to win this scoring title, that's also helping the Lakers win. Or whether he's thinking in his head, hey, I need to score in order for us to win and the scoring title is separate. I don't think it matters either way because I think it's it's accurate. LeBron has to score for the Lakers to win. So I don't have a problem with what whether his motivation is I don't whether here. his motivation is winning the scoring title or the Lakers winning the game. I don't think that that matters because I think the fact is the Lakers need LeBron to score in order to win. Portland up 12 to 2 early on San Antonio. Well, that's interesting. Well, there's a long way to go. If they were up 10 with a long minute left, sure. okay, we'd be talking, but long way to go in that. Avi B said, I wasn't talking about AD today. I meant the past three years in terms of development. Okay. I mean, look, there was a point in the bubble when Anthony Davis looked like a league MVP. He looked at a league like a league MVP. That's what he that was the level he was playing at. Like a like a top yep. five easily player. Top three, maybe. He was fantastic. We haven't seen him hit that level since. And that's left people feeling disappointed mm-hmm. because there's, there's that sense of, hey, we saw this. Now we expect that. Where, Where is, is that again? Yeah. And then especially when people back then were comparing him to Giannis, comparing him to Jokic, comparing to these other people. And you've seen those guys become better than AD, right, objectively. And he hasn't been able to quite rise to that level. That's been... I mean, that's that's been part of the, the conversation here. And I get there's that frustration, but I also think we can't look at Anthony Davis as, oh, he's just not that good. You're talking about a very high bar to clear. Oh, he's not quite on the same level as Giannis. Oh, he's not quite on the same level as Jokic. You're talking about the reigning MVP and the and the former MVP. Like, that's, that is pretty rare company. So, I think AD probably catches a little bit too much flack is some criticism deserved yes but let's not act like the guy is not an incredible talent yeah absolutely for sure all right guys let's are we just at a point where like the mass i'm assuming you're going to the master lock are we at a point where it's just the season this, it's the season i'm no i'm gonna master lock the narrative i'm gonna master lock the narrative and by the narrative i mean the way games are playing out. The the path we take to get through a Lakers game, and that seems to be, we've seen this play out so many times, the Lakers are kind of close throughout the game, they get a little bit of a lead, but they never put anybody away, and then in crunch time in the fourth quarter, they fumble things away. So mm-hmm. I'm going to master lock that script and hope that we can somehow get, get rid of that because that just adds insult to injury. That makes it hurt all that much worse when the Lakers lose. 
because they're right. They're not getting blown out. They're right there. And then they just find ways to not execute down the stretch. So I think that that game script has to be master locked. I'll take it a step further. I think you kind of said at the end, the execution down the stretch, it's every single time, Mm -hmm. every single game, the Lakers, when they face teams, even the bad teams, you find more often, the bad teams know how to execute, or at least they know like what kind of shots they want or what looks they want to generate down the stretch. The Lakers, they just like have no clue what they want to do in down the stretch of games. And again, the net, the Nuggets after after Stanley Johnson hit a three to tie it, the Nuggets literally ran the same play three straight three straight possessions and got three straight easy looks. Wide open three, mm-hmm. wide open three, layup on the switch. Not great, not great. Certainly master lock worthy. Uh, Spurs are resting starters. Yeah, they, they, they did last game when they played the Blazers as well, though. Didn't matter. They are? Yeah, well, I mean, they've got some injuries and stuff like that, but but they, I mean, they handled the Blazers easily even without uh, those guys. So They should still win. Like, they have Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell playing. Yeah, they should be okay. Uh, yeah. Love said, if the Warriors decide to give you Kaminga, Wiseman, Wiggins, Jordan Poole, two first-round picks for LeBron... You're not turning that down. I think they turn it down if LeBron no. says, I want to stay. And also, I'm not sure Golden State's trading all of that. I mean, if that's the deal Golden State offers me, then and LeBron wants to leave, then sure. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think Golden State's going to offer that. Yeah. Because that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. All right. Uh, John Robertson Dow just really just they don't have a base offense. Yep. They don't have that that offensive personality. All right, everybody. Let's wrap things up from here. Appreciate all of you all of you joining us today after this game. Again, it's been a tough season, it's been a long season. Real ones you've been here for the long haul. We will be here for the remainder of the season. We are doing our live play-by-plays, which you can always check out and join us as well. We'll put some links out in some of our videos so you guys can go find those. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.